We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Spike Week. 2021 best ball show presented by rotogrinders.com as usual i'm your host solo host today i promise we'll get to some more group shows so you won't have to just hear me but solo host today eric Bindfor. you can find me on twitter at eric Bindfor. And today i'm excited for this for this episode if you follow me on twitter if you read any of my content or even if you listen to um one of the first shows that we did here, that Jamino and I did here, you probably know that I'm extremely, extremely bullish on this San Francisco 49ers offense. So I thought it was important to talk about the 49ers because, you know, everyone I think is a little bit aware that, you know, stacking is important in these best ball contests, specifically these huge best ball tournaments where you're trying to get first for a million dollars out of, you know, 150 plus thousand, thousand people. But something I also think can be advantageous is simply identifying some spots, some offenses that you just want to be, you know, getting exposure to. It doesn't make sense necessarily, you know, even as bullish as I am on on the 49ers, it doesn't make sense in a, like 150 teams in a contest to stack the 49ers in every single one. It's also not necessarily possible depending on how your draft goes, but it's also not you know the smartest thing to do but what you can do is you know get uh, about as much exposure to an overall offense as you can an offense that you think is going to be extremely successful score a ton of points you know has the opportunity has the potential to be the highest scoring offense in the nfl you know something like that um i think a lot of people typically think of the chiefs you know maybe even the cowboys with with dak back in the in that kind of manner but i think the 49ers should be included in that in that as well and so i want to talk about kind of some of the reasons why and maybe how you can how you can target them 
in your best ball drafts? How and why you can you can target them? So the first thing, I mean, it's just I, I assume everyone is kind of <laughs> up up to speed. If you're listening to this show, you're a sicko like me listening to best ball content in in June. But the offensive talent on this 49ers team is just nearly un, unmatched in the NFL. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not sure that the Chiefs have better offensive talent, obviously outside of the quarterback. Um, three weapons on the outside that are quite possibly the best with the ball in their hands at their position collectively in the NFL. And so we'll get to some of the quarterback, you know, maybe concerns, not concerns, at least risks at quarterback. But a lot of the, the quarterback concerns get alleviated by this elite offensive talent that they've collected specifically in the trio of George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel. These guys, the kind of players that these guys are, is just also so conducive to fantasy because you get this perfect combination of this floor because of the way that Kyle Shanahan gets these guys the ball. He just wants to get the ball into these guys' hands because that's what they do best. Give me the football and let me go make plays. So you get this, this floor that's that's brought about by catches and and just overall you know efficiency from relatively catchable targets and then you get this upside of this collection of great talent that in theory should be scoring you know a lot of points i expect the 49ers to score a lot of points and then when you get the ball football into these guys hands i mean how many times have we seen george kittle dragging defenders 30 yards down the field or debo samuel or brandon Ayuk just making things happen after the catch so this collection of offensive talent is really conducive to um you know definitely the the upside that we need in in our best ball teams but also it brings a relative floor and i don't like to talk about floor too much because i think it's actually something that people really over over you know think about think about too much but to a certain extent we do need a little bit of a floor in our in our lineups because you know, we can't have total, total zero down weeks, even if we're having our spike weeks, um, because we do still need to win the league, right? We need to have enough scoring throughout the course of the entire season. So anyway, the maybe the biggest thing, maybe even more, which sounds crazy, maybe even more than what I'm excited about with the 49ers is uh, what I'm excited about in terms of the 49ers talent is this schedule. If you go look, it's my one of my favorite things I've seen on Twitter, if you go look at Warren Sharp, Warren Sharp on Twitter, you're, most people are probably familiar, is sharpfootballanalysis.com. He has a strength of schedule, um, kind of like tracker metric, if you will, and he, he visualizes it. And so it's a it's a chart that if you can, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see my hands. If you're if you're not, you just got a dream that my arm is like slowly rising like a graph. But from one bottom right hand corner to the upper left hand corner goes from the toughest schedule to the easiest, easiest schedule. And the Raiders have the, the toughest schedule. They're all the way down in the bottom right. And so the, the, the line goes kind of diagonally all the way up across across your screen. But even once it gets to the top, the, the, the 49ers are like a huge jump ahead in terms of just how much easier their schedule is, even than the second easiest schedule. I mean, I, I'm not sure that I've ever actually seen. Now, this assumes that we have any idea of who the best players are. And I understand if that's something that is not 
you know, as appealing to you. But I do think on the, you know, high end and the low end, we have a fairly good idea of exactly, you know, who the the best and worst teams are. And the 49ers, I'm not sure I've ever seen a schedule <laughs> like like what the 49ers are are set out to play. On top of that, for best ball purposes, for the best ball tournament purposes, they have an amazing playoff schedule. And again, we don't want to overhype something like that because you have to get there ultimately at the end of the day. But it's a very nice cherry on top to be playing one of you know basically the easiest schedule all throughout the regular season, which is clearly good for their fantasy production. And then you get to the playoffs and you don't lose any of that of that upside. As a matter of fact, in the championship round, the 49ers play the Houston Texans. And kind of what I've said about the Houston Texans all year, all offseason so far, is that the only thing that's going to be worse than the Houston Texans offense, you know, without Deshaun Watson, without Will Fuller, et cetera, is the Houston Texans defense. They have no JJ Watt. JJ Watt, I'm not even sure is was all that good of a player left anymore in his career. And he's gone. I, I don't even hardly know any of these defenders. It's the worst defense in the NFL. So anyway, they get those guys in the championship round. And that's just the, the cherry on top of this, this cupcake, this Sunday, that is the 49ers schedule. I think an average team would score a lot of points against this schedule. And I think the 49ers are a lot better, are a lot better than average. Other big thing that goes into the the 49ers is, is Kyle Shanahan, you know, Kyle Shanahan, maybe even at times, I guess, possibly by me too, gets a little bit overhyped in terms of the results, some of the results that he's had over the years in terms of like scoring offenses. But I think, I do think it's pretty safe to say that Kyle Shanahan is one of the best OCs in the game. And in particular, I think he's uh, an extremely effective OC for this, this specific team. And I'm not trying to get my hand in the dirt too, too much here and, and give you too many football takes, but he's, he's such an incredibly talented schemer in terms of scheming guys open. You know, he was able to turn the Nick Mullins of the world, the CJ Beathards of the world, and frankly, Jimmy G into, you know, above average producing quarterbacks, sometimes well above average producing quarterbacks by a variety of different metrics. And now he has collected these, these weapons that fit that so perfectly, right? He's able to scheme up so much um, by the way that he calls plays and crafts game plans to just get the ball into the, make it easy on whether it's Jimmy G to start the year or Trey Lance to make it easy on these guys to get the ball into the hands of George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel and the stable of running backs that they've, they've put together. So you just have a, a maestro in Kyle Shanahan that's kind of pulling the strings of this offense that is crafted perfectly for the way that he is going to call plays and wants and wants to call plays. So we've got all this talent. We've got the easiest, maybe the easiest schedule of all time. We've got a amazing play caller, amazing offensive coordinator that we definitely want to invest in. And the next thing is Trey Lance. You know, I'm not going to sit here and claim to be a scout and have really have any idea how good Trey Lance is going to be as an NFL quarterback. But I do know that the archetype of player that he is combined with the draft capital, the conviction that Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers had to trade significant, significant assets to go get this guy 
to go get this this kid is the exact kind of thing that we should be looking for in fantasy right like the the what happens when Trey Lance hits a ceiling is Lamar Jackson MVP season maybe maybe the best example and and I don't want to use 10-year-old data to drive everything about what makes me excited about this team but most of you are probably you know been football fans for for this long but if we look back to to 2012 the formerly the team formerly known as the Washington Redskins had Kyle Shanahan as their offensive coordinator they drafted a rookie quarterback out of Baylor named Robert Griffin III. And Kyle Shanahan kind of installed a semi-new offense. And they took a poor, poor Redskins team and turned them into their fourth in the NFL in total points that season. RG3 was the number one overall fantasy quarterback on a points-per-game basis. He missed, he missed one game. He ran for 800 plus yards. Um, he he had a, a Lamar Jackson MVP esque season, and he was the QB one overall in fantasy. And so we've seen, even if it was a, even if it's been a long time, but we've seen what Kyle Shanahan can do with this this type of offense. And and that team, if we, if you go if if you get a chance, go back and take a look at the the weapons, air quotes, weapons that this team had. You know, Pierre Garçon was the, the alpha wide receiver on that team. He missed six games too. Leonard Hankerson, Santana Moss, Josh Morgan, Fred Davis. And so he was able to do, you know, he was able to do these kinds of things, turn RG3 into the QB1 in fantasy. He also turned Alfred Morris into the RB7 in fantasy with not good, not good weapons. And so now you give him these weapons and you give him a similar archetype of a quarterback. And that's, that's what we're looking at here, right? That's what we're looking at. The, the upside is unmatched, really. The ceiling is, is almost unmatched because you have Trey, Trey Lance is Kyle Shanahan's guy and his biggest weapon is his legs. In an offense with the best run-after-catch players in the NFL, essentially, with a a coach whose best trait is scheming up ways to get the ball into the hands of these run after catch guys, which in turn makes it easier on Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo. If Jimmy, Jimmy G starts the year and all these things kind of come together, all these different factors for this, like literally unmatched ceiling. I'm not sure that there's, I guess maybe the Cowboys, but even, even with the Cowboys, Dak doesn't have the rushing, equity and the Cowboys in general are just a little more expensive in best ball, right? Especially when we toss in Zeke and even Tony Pollard, Michael Gallup's really the only cheap guy for the Cowboys. They just have this unmatched ceiling, especially at cost. And the only thing really keeping them in check is some of these, these, and they're, they're fine concerns. Like how much is Trey Lance really going to throw? Right, he didn't throw much at North Dakota State, so so folks are naturally worried about how much Kyle Shanahan will even let Trey Lance let it rip. 
you know, which, so that could be good for the running game, but do I want to be investing in the passing game? Well, that's also part of why when I kind of initially started talking is getting exposure to this, to this team. It doesn't have to be just Trey Lance, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. That's where I'm focusing my efforts. But if, but you know, those concerns are natural and those concerns are realistic for Trey Lance as a passer. And so, you know, Trey Sermon's ADP is a little bit rich for my blood, but I'm also trying to make sure that I do still get a little bit of, of Trey Sermon. I'm trying to get a little bit of Raheem Mostert. I'm trying to get a little bit of Elijah Mitchell or even Wayne Gallman in late rounds, just because I just want to bet on, on this offense. I don't really know who is all going to emerge from that backfield, but they all individually have upside. And so that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about exposure to this team. You just, every single, you have to identify these offenses that have this type of, you know, almost unmatched ceiling. And so we talked a little bit about those running backs, but now what happens if, if Trey Lance does let it rip, right? What happens if, he is throwing plenty and he's a perfectly fine passer and he's getting the ball into the hands of these wide receivers. Well, now we have an offense that really has, that really has upside. And so then the concern, right, is what, which wide receiver do I draft? Well, maybe none of them are going to have big gears because it's going to be split up amongst, amongst three guys. And to, to that point, I, I would, argue that that's why I want all these guys because in best ball, we don't have to identify when they're going to have good weeks. Right. So from a season long perspective, like, yeah, I don't know that Debo Samuel is going to finish in the top 10 in wide receivers, but I also don't think I care. <laughs> I think this offense is going to score a ton of points and these guys are maybe, maybe they're going to rotate or maybe two are going to have good weeks or maybe one week it's a running back and Kittle and the next week it's Debo. And, you know, but I, I just want, you just want to be betting on this offense and in best ball, I don't have to worry about picking and choosing when I'm putting these guys in my lineups, right? I'm getting my appropriate exposure across 150 teams. I'm certainly building plenty of stacks as well. And so I'm giving myself exposure to this advantageous situation, more exposure than my opponents and kind of just letting the chips fall where they may. People typically have volume concerns at the beginning of the season, even on these elite offenses like this. And this is just such a perfect example. And how I think you should approach it is, is very different. You're, you have a natural volume concern, like Brandon and I, you can't pay off a sixth round ADP because George Kittle and Debo Samuel are there. How can they, how can they all get that, that much volume, but you're not, you're not questioning the efficiency. I haven't heard a soul that doesn't think that the 49ers are going to score a lot of points. I haven't heard a soul that thinks that they're going to be an inefficient offense. Even with Jimmy G at the helm, no one thinks that they're going to be an inefficient offense. So these concerns about, you know, target splits, and exact volume, right? Target share for each one of these guys. They're so overblown 
in these specific situations where we just have an offense that we know is going to score a lot. And we know that these guys are going to get the football. It's basically those three guys in the passing game and then whatever one or two running backs end up winning that battle in that backfield. And those guys are going to, they're going to get the football. Who gets a spike week win? I'm not really sure. But I also, like I said, I don't care. If they're scoring 35 points, the guys are going to get theirs, you know? And if I have enough of them across all of my teams, it's going to be really good for me, right? Whether it's Debo or Ayuk or Kittle or Sermon or Mostert or Elijah Mitchell, and certainly if it's Trey Lance, as long as you're getting your appropriate exposure, like we talked about at the top, to these types of unmatched ceiling, right? A lot of people have ceilings and a lot of offenses have ceilings, but this kind of combination of this almost unmatched ceiling is where I think we really want to be be putting our chips in. And the other thing that people don't give enough credit to is, yes, as of this day, I can't tell you the target share breakdown between Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle. But I also know that just through the natural ebbs and flows of, a, of an NFL season, not only are they each going to have their weeks, guys are probably going to get hurt. <laughs> Debo hasn't, I mean, I love Debo and he's probably my favorite pick of this group, but Debo hasn't been able to stay healthy so far in his career. And frankly, neither has Kittle. You know, Ayuk was more, was healthier than those guys, but even he didn't stay perfectly healthy. You know, Mostert hasn't been able to stay healthy. Jeff Wilson is already hurt. And so when guys go down, that just meant, if Debo goes down, Ayuk is a wide receiver one. He's not a six-round pick. And so I'm not banking on injuries, but I have a, a strong play and a strong offense with a, with a strong floor and a ceiling, not only just from the offense, but from potential injury situation, right? There's plenty of other guys, even going in some of their ranges probably, that like if they get an injury to, an, to a teammate, it doesn't really change much. You know what I mean? Even like, I don't know, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is a third round wide receiver, right? If Traquan Smith gets hurt, it does not matter for Michael Thomas. He needs his volume. You know, whatever we have him projected for, he needs his volume and he needs his efficiency. Brandon Ayuk, if Devo Samuel goes down, goes from a sixth round wide receiver to what, a third? Probably, maybe, I don't know. Debo Samuel, the same thing. If George Kittle goes down, both of those wide receivers, excuse me, become better. You know, if if Mostert goes down this, I think some, you know, we have the Sermon Mostert running back situation that's hairy there. But that's also why I want to get exposure to those guys. You know, even if I don't love the Trey Sermon ADP, even if I don't love the Mostert ADP, I don't want to be taking a stand against this situation. And just saying, I can't predict it, right? That's what that's what people are saying is I can't predict it. Or they're saying the opposite. I can't predict it and it's going to be Trey Sermon, right? So most dirt falls. But I don't want to throw my hands up and say, I can't predict it. I'm out. And I think that's what a lot of people do. And so that's why, again, I go in with this just draft 49ers theme of the show because if you believe, you know, maybe you don't agree with me, but if you believe even remotely similarly to me, pretty much all these 49ers are just in 
incredible spots you know, week to week for the entire season and certainly for the best ball playoffs that I just want to have these guys on my teams and then kind of let the chips fall fall where they may, right? I, I, I want I want a ton of Trey Lance, even if he doesn't start the season. That's okay. I get to draft multiple quarterbacks. I want tons of these, you know, Kittle and the two wide receivers. And I want to be mixing and matching these, these running backs just because whichever one, you know, they can all have their own weeks individually, even if everyone's healthy. But there, there's paths for each of them individually to just become league winners. League winners, whether it be like, they outperform their ADP or league winners when I need them the most in the, in the, the best ball playoffs. And so that's pretty much it for the 49ers. I've probably beat that to death. I think carrying on and talking about how much upside I think these guys have, but I'll probably be talking about it some more because I'm trying to draft as many 49ers as I can. If you have, maybe you have an offense Drop me a line on Twitter if you have an offense that you have a similar approach to, or if you disagree on the 49ers, leave a comment. You can leave a comment if you're watching on YouTube, or you can drop a comment on Rotor Grinders, or you can drop a comment to me on Twitter. I'll be back. Um, I got to check the schedule. I will be back again, I think tomorrow. I think tomorrow with another show. And until then, be on the lookout on Rotor Grinders for new written content coming out and you can always find me blabbering away about best ball in June on Twitter at Eric Bynfor. I'm out of here.